0: Our scripture that was previously read came from the Gospel according to St. John, the 19th chapter, the 25th through to the 30th verses. But I just want to lift up the 28th verse, which reads as thus. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Each cry that Jesus made from the cross offers us a unique opportunity to look at the deeper meaning of Jesus' experience at Calvary. And it allows us to have a greater appreciation for the depths of his love for each and every one of us. So today, as we continue our journey through this Lenten season, I want us to take a look at this cry, the fifth cry, and I've therefore titled this sermon quite simply, The Filled Cup. The Filled Cup. Let us pray. Most gracious, heavenly, and eternal Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you, Lord, for this preaching time. Spirit of the living God, I invite you now to incarnate yourself in my flesh and move through my body and make it breathe and come alive in you. Bless our time now, we pray. Bless this word now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. The filled cup. The agony that Jesus experienced in the satanic darkness that fell upon Calvary from noon till 3 p.m. were the most excruciatingly painful period for Jesus Christ. Not just because of his scourging and his wounds, but because of his separation from his heavenly father, which he experienced for the first time. As I've often shared with you, you cannot appreciate the true value of the light of God's love without having gone through something as dark as sin. Sin is hellish and satanic and God abhors it. But Jesus took it on Upon himself the full weight of mankind's sin Jesus took it all upon himself Jesus literally became sin for each and every one of us that through him we might become the righteousness of God Jesus did for us what we could not do for ourselves and because he did that we have been spared the full wrath of God's judgment But at 2.59 p.m., as the darkness began to lift, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is the separation that I was talking about, where Jesus was no longer connected to his heavenly Father for the first time in his life. And at 2.59 p.m., Jesus screamed, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Forsaken me. This cry gave us a clue as we reflected on the 22nd Psalm to what Jesus was actually experiencing. The text tells us in very graphic language that Jesus' tongue clung to his jaws. It is therefore no wonder that after the darkness abated and Jesus screamed for an answer to having been forsaken, his next words were nothing less than simply I thirst. I thirst was not a deep theological treatise like the Sermon on the Mount. I thirst was not a statement of moral admonishment towards a wayward people. I thirst did not lend itself to exegetical gymnastics. I thirst was not some utterance that requires a doctoral degree to hermeneutically extract its meaning. And what I'm trying to simply say to you, that I thirst was a statement of Jesus' ultimate humanity. Of all the statements... That Jesus made from the cross. From Father, forgive them. Today, you will be with me. Woman, behold your son. Why have you forsaken me? And fast forwarding to the sixth and the seventh words. It is finished and into your hands. Out of all of these words, I first is the only one that's specifically focused on Jesus' needs. I first so what is going on is it that jesus was simply thirsty from the physical punishment or was he speaking of a greater spiritual need in the context of the separation that he experienced from his father i thirst whether it's physical or spiritual or both the fact is that we can all agree that jesus in his humanity had a need that he was expressing by simply saying he was thirsty. Thirst, as many of you all know, is a craving for fluids. It's it's the result of the basic human instinct to want a drink. If the water volume of the body is low and falls below a certain threshold, the brain signals thirst. For the brain to signal thirst, it means that something physical is out of order. In the 69th Psalm, which is considered by many to be a messianic psalm, we read these words. Hear me carefully. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire. Where there is no standing, I have come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. I am weary with my crying. My throat is dry. My eyes fail while I wait for my God. The picture here is that even in the midst of the abundance of water, thirst, a dry throat, is the experience. What can be more debilitating than having everything available to you but you cannot take hold of? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus is thirsty. But keep in mind, my brothers and my sisters, that your physical condition will always point to some spiritual need in your life. Whatever you are experiencing, Physically, whether it's anxiety, whether it is fear, whether it is worry, whatever you are experiencing physically in your bodies and in your lives, it always points to a greater spiritual need. So how are we to make sense of Jesus' cry from the cross when he says, I thirst? How are we to understand him? Well, I would like us to consider four possibilities. Four possibilities of what Jesus could be alluding to when he said, I thirst. The first, the first is the fulfillment of Scripture. Verse 28 says this, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the Scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. What Scripture did Jesus fulfill? When he made this statement, well, most scholars think it's the 69th psalm and the 19th through the 21st verse. Here it is in your hearing. You know my reproach, my shame, and my dishonor. My adversaries are all before you. Reproach has broken my heart, and I am full of heaviness. I looked for someone to take pity, but there was none. And for comforters, but I found none. They also gave me gall for my food, and for my thirst, they gave me vinegar to drink. When Jesus said he was thirsty and was offered vinegar to drink, he was pointing us back to the 69th Psalm. He was saying, look what I am doing now, was written centuries ago. It is part of God's plan that was set in place long before this present day. So the first possibility for I thirst was the fulfillment of scripture. A second possible reason may be to point to Jesus's humanity. Many people today spend a lot of time talking about Jesus' divinity and in so doing tend to de-emphasize his human nature. Yet Jesus is God, and while he is God, he is also very man. I first highlights the fact that Jesus felt what you and I felt in our moments of parchment. Many times while sitting with persons who are dying, I've heard the words, I am thirsty. Typically a nurse or a hospice worker or a loved one will bring a cup of ice chips or a spoon and and place a chip or two On the person's tongue. Sometimes a little sponge on a stick is used. It is soaked in water and the dying person can then suck on the sponge. This was not unlike what happened to Jesus' experience on the cross as a sponge was dipped in wine vinegar and affixed to a stick and lifted up to his mouth. Jesus was human. He thirsted just as people do when they are in the place of dying. This most Human response in a moment of most human need is the second possibility for I thirst. That is a picture of Jesus' humanity. A third meaning to consider is seen at the Last Supper. When Jesus took the cup and he said, This is my blood of the new covenant. Elsewhere, when James and John asked Jesus if they could sit at his right hand and his left hand when he came into his kingdom, he replied, Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink? Likewise, in John 18th chapter and the 11th verse, as Jesus was being arrested, Peter drew his sword, and Jesus told him, Put your sword back into its sheath. Am I not to drink the cup that my father has given to me in each of these instances that I have just described to you Jesus used the metaphor of drinking from a cup as a way of describing the suffering he would endure on the cross Jesus's words I first may have pointed not only to his willingness to drink the cup of suffering of sin and of hate but to drink it down to the very last dregs given that he was nearing the end Perhaps he was pointing to the fact that the cup was nearly empty. So the third possibility for I thirst could be pointing to Jesus' willingness to drink from the cup of suffering. But there is also a fourth possibility in understanding the meaning of I thirst. In John, the fourth chapter, Jesus meets a Samaritan woman at Jacob's well. The text reminds us that she's been married and divorced five times, and the man that she was living with now was not her husband. She's likely an outcast among her own people. And Jesus asks her to, to draw water from a well for him. Then he says, if you knew who you were talking to, you would be asking me for a drink, and I would give you living water, and you will never thirst again. Likewise, in John, the 7th chapter and the 37th verses, Jesus says to a multitude in Jerusalem, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and let the one who believes in me take a drink. It is precisely these two passages, John, the 4th chapter and the 7th, as a backdrop that I believe we need in order to also understand Jesus' words from the cross, I thirst. He Jesus, watch me, church, he, Jesus, the one who says he is the source of living water from which if you drink, you will never thirst again, is the same one who is saying, I am thirsty. Jesus is dying on the cross. He is the living water, streams of living water that he presents to anyone. If they drink from him, they will never thirst again. This same Jesus is thirsty. Now, if I'm being facetious, and I am, drink your own water. Drink from yourself. But how can you drink from yourself when you have been emptied of yourself? My God, my God, why hast thou? forsaken me. Jesus, in the moment of complete, complete separation from God the Father, the source of living water, is now thirsty. The spring is nearly extinguished. Can you feel the pathos in this scene, in these words? Yes. Is it a fulfillment of prophecy? Absolutely. Is it an emphasis on Jesus' his humanity? Yes, I agree. It is an expression of, of having finished the cup of suffering. Yes, it is. But it's also a moving statement that the source of living water has or is drying up. These are all possible ways. These are four possible ways of looking at what Jesus meant when he was on the cross and he simply said, I thirst. These are all clearly plausible and my brothers and my sisters, they all make sense and they are all scripture. But I am still stuck. I'm not sure that we have fully grasped Jesus' statement, I thirst. And I think the answer to that question can really be found in the garden of Gethsemane. Let's take a look. in The 26th chapter of Matthew, the 39th verse, it says, He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father. It is possible. Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. You see, there are two possibilities here now that we need to consider when we think about the significance of the cup that he was given. The first possibility is that he was to drink from the cup and didn't want to. Or or he was to fill the cup and didn't want to. Two possibilities. Jesus saying, Father, let this cup pass from me. Jesus, are you refusing because you are to drink from the cup? Or are you refusing because you are to fill the cup? Well, two possibilities, right? So let's look at the first, drinking from the cup. Now we can make a very strong case. For drinking from the cup. In fact, we already saw it in Jesus' humanity. He asked the questions to the sons of thunder: Are you able to drink the cup I am about to drink? That's what he said. And what he said to Peter, Peter, put your sword back into a sheet. Am I not to drink the cup that the Father has given me? So clearly, Jesus had a cup that he needed to drink from. But I submit. That this is not what's going on with the cup alone. I say this because clearly Jesus knew he had a drink from the cup because it was tied to his purpose. So if Jesus knows the cup is tied to his purpose, then clearly he would not even be asking for the cup to pass from him. So what is the meaning of the second possibility? And I hope you're staying with me, church, because we need to understand the magnitude of Jesus's love for you and for me and what. His cross meant, particularly during this Lenten season. If I were to ask you this moment, how many of you are filled with the Holy Spirit? Many of you would say, I don't think I'm filled right now with the Holy Spirit. The reason you don't always feel Spirit-filled or Spirit-led is that you and I, we have this constant need and desire to be filled with Holy Spirit. The picture here is that you and I have to present our empty and broken cells as cups needing to be filled by the Holy Spirit. Your human heart, my human heart, is like a cup that we hold out to Jesus that he might fill with the water of life. But there is one thing there is something that is preventing your cups from being filled. There is something that is preventing my cup from being filled, and that something is sin. Self-energy, self-serving, self-pity, self-seeking, self-indulgence, self-defense, self-consciousness, sensitiveness, touchiness, reserve, worry, fear, anxiety, all of these things are attributable to sin. And because of sin, in all of its form, it makes your cup and my cup un. Clean and brothers and sisters, let me say this without fear of contradiction or hesitation the Holy Spirit does not fill dirty cups. Hmm. But all of this sin was placed in the cup at Gethsemane. And when Jesus said, Not my will, but thy will be done. He made the conscious decision to drink away all the dregs from our dirty cups. When Jesus drank from the dirty cup, he took on sin in all of its worst forms. He took the full force of God's wrath upon him as the dirty cup of sin. And being completely emptied of his virtue, God the Father had to turn away from him. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter and the 21st verse, that he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. God the Father looked at Jesus on the cross and he saw a dirty unclean disgusting cup and God abhors sin so God says I don't want to fill that cup. And so from 12 noon to 3 p.m., the Father did not speak a word to Jesus. In other words, God did not fill that dirty cup, so Jesus was silent. But at 2.59 p.m., when the darkness began to lift at Calvary, the true condition of Jesus' dirty cup begins to emerge. And we know this as we see in the 22nd Psalm and the 14th verse. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It has melted within me. Jesus is completely empty of the living water of the Holy Spirit. And in all his agony, with the last few moments of breath that he has, Jesus exclaimed throughout all eternity, I thirst... And because of Jesus' willingness to be thirsty for you and for me, he made the full payment of our sin by suffering death on the cross. But three days later, he rose from the grave. And when he emerged from the grave, he came out no longer an empty, dirty cup. But he came out as the filled Jesus came out of the tomb as the filled cup. A cup full of all power and authority. And because he rose from the grave, you and I can now be filled with the true and living water from everlasting to everlasting. It is a cup that will never run dry. It is Jesus letting you know that because he cleaned his cup, you and I can claim his cup. And the Father will never turn away from you. The best part is, if you're willing to allow him to show you what's in your cup, and then you give it to him, casting all your cares and your burdens upon him. He will cleanse you with his precious blood that still flows, the blood that flows from Emmanuel's veins. Jesus will clean your cup, and not only will he clean it, but he will fill it. He will fill it with the Holy Spirit. He will fill your cup with hope. He will fill your cup with joy. He will fill your cup with peace but most of all he will fill your cup with love and if jesus fills your cup then my brothers and my sisters if jesus fills your cup then you can rejoice like david and say thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies thou anointest my head with oil my cup runneth over my cup Overflows. My cup will never stop flowing for surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. My brothers and my sisters, let me make it plain. Jesus is the filled cup and because he is the filled cup, he wants to fill your cup and my cup today. That's the point. He is the filled cup. So whether he is drinking from the cup or filling the cup, the bottom line is, do you have a cup? And what's in your cup? For Jesus won't fill dirty cups until he has first washed it clean with his blood. So my brothers and my sisters today, I pray that you have been able to hear this message in your spirits, However depleted you may be feeling in your life right now, Jesus is able and capable to fill your cup. And if he fills your cup, believe me when I tell you, you will thirst no more. May the Lord richly, richly bless you, my beloved.